Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do the reading that we did earlier, so Proverbs chapter three. So yeah, if you could go to Proverbs 3, that'd be fantastic. All right, so I'd like to shake things up a little bit since Kim's on the theme this Sunday of shaking things up. Um, so what if we were to tell you that this year, Branches is getting a new lead pastor? Okay, I want you to let that sink in for a second. This year, what if you were to hear that Branches were getting a new lead pastor? Now, as I say that, I say that for a couple of reasons, because you've pretty much already, already experienced this to some degree um, when uh, I died. So when that time was happening, we got a lot of feedback from friends that it, it's very difficult because of change. Even people that don't know us or like us, it's change. And you get used to something, and something goes a certain way. And so when things get tweaked, when they get changed, we get all freaked out because we trust. We trust in consistency. We trust in things going the way they've been going. We trust in things. When you trust in something, you lean into it, right? If we were to get a new leader here at Branches, this is my question. Would the pastor change the community or would the community change the pastor? Wouldn't it be cool if the community changed the pastor? Now that your hearts are all palpitating because nobody likes change, I don't think we're getting a new pastor this year that I know of, but you never know. I didn't think that was happening a year and a half ago, but it almost went down. The reality is, though, is that what we're talking about this morning is this issue of trust, this issue of what we lean into. And I had a friend uh, who's a well-known worship leader, and his friend who is a junior high pastor said, hey, can you lead for our junior high group? And this guy's like, yeah. He didn't say it that way. He made it look like he really wanted to do it, but he didn't want to do it. And in his mind, he said, you know, I kind of was thinking like, these are junior hires. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. I've done stadiums. I've done like big groups. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. And so he went and did this junior high group, and he said, you know, he got his stuff together, and it was kind of a smaller room, and uh, I think he plugged in his guitar. And as he started to play, I mean, as he was playing, he said, they were in. 
he said that he wasn't leading them. He said it was the first time in all of my experience of leading worship that I wasn't actually leading. They were leading. They were the ones leading me. I was just the guy giving them the background music while they were the instruments that were leading worship. What if in this community of faith, we didn't trust in a pastor, but we trusted in our God? And we came to worship him. We came to serve him. We came to listen to him. If we impacted the leaders rather than waiting for the leaders to impact us. The problem that we're going to look at this morning is trust. I'm actually not going to do most of it. I, I'm, we're going to do a little um, WWE wrestling pass off. You know where you go, to the, you go to the turnbuckles and you tag someone and they come in. We're going to do some tagging this morning. Almost like Kim did with you. Didn't know she was going to do that, but we're doing the same kind of thing with a message. Don't get nervous. If you don't know you're coming up, you're not coming up. So don't get all stressed out. Uh, but in this reality of trust, I want us to really focus on this problem so that we realize we need an answer. And this is what I mean. We all, as kids, since we are talking about... Um, the, the kids' ministry and the youth ministry, when we're younger, we start to realize that things are scary. We start to realize that we are fragile. We start to realize there's things out there that we need to be afraid of that are scary, and so we have to learn to adapt. We have to learn to protect ourselves. And so what we do is we, we grasp onto other things to lean into, to trust. Um, do you have your cards yet this morning? I don't think we passed them out yet, right? Okay, but since you heard the passage this morning, this is the verse we're going to be going through. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do not, I should maybe phrase that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will direct your path. And so when we're younger, though, we, we realize that we need to trust in something. Um, very wise theologian Bob Dylan once said, we always, everybody's got to trust something. Everybody has to trust somebody. You have to put your trust in something. And so you had to put your trust in something. It does not exist for us to say, I don't trust in anything. Because you're operating under some kind of system of trust. Now, as a kid, you realize whatever works, that's what you're going to grasp onto. You may have been a very funny little kid. And every time you said something funny, everyone kind of liked you. And that created a bubble of safety. So now you're a funny person. Or maybe you were one of those cute little kids. I met this beautiful little girl this morning, Raylan. That girl could easily rely on her looks because she's beautiful. Not many of you men are going to be able to rely on that. But there are some other ways. Some of you, when you were growing up, you were just really smart. And every time you showed your intellect, you were rewarded. There was a safety. There was a protection around you. Some of you became bullies because you realized, well, I'm stronger, or I know how to say certain things, or I have an acid tongue, and I can do this, and I can protect my, that, myself that way. So you began to trust in different things. Some of you grew up in a wealthy family or in a situation of security, and so you put your trust in your parents, or you put your trust in the money. Some of you, even today, put your trust in that money. Every several times a day, you're refreshing to look at your bank account or your savings 
Or is everything okay? Is everything okay? You have those fights in your house. Why do we always fight so much about money in marriage? Because if things are off, then security, ah, and you feel like you're leaning against it, you're leaning against your finances, and it's not holding you up, so you get angry, and you want it to hold you up, so that can't hold you up, so you might as well yell at your spouse about it. We create these elements of trust, and yet, is it worth trusting? Because the passage that we're going to look at says to trust in God, right? Well, here's the big elephant in the room. Here's the big thing that we've got to ask ourselves, and I want us to be honest about. Is God really trustworthy? That's the big question, isn't it? Is God good enough that I can really trust him? It's one thing to no, okay, it's written in the Bible, that's great. But I've built my whole life on these different areas of trust. Some of them I'm aware of, some of them I'm, I'm not. But what if God doesn't show up? Because this world that I'm in, most of them don't believe that. I had to drop off something to my wife this morning. Um, my kids are in a race this morning. So I, I had to drop something off and then I had to get gas. You know what I realized? There's a lot of people who don't go to church. A lot of people. Some of my fellow Christians. Hey, how you doing? As I'm driving. Well, what are these guys doing? And then, of course, most of the people don't even have a faith. So you're the weirdos. You realize that, right? You blocked out your morning. You dealt with this traffic, whatever it was. I mean, we're not all here, obviously, as we can tell. It's a smaller Sunday than usual. But the reality is, you're the weirdos. You have some kind of trust which brought you here. You didn't come for the coffee or the donuts. Maybe some of you are like, oh, childcare, I need a break for my kids. <laughs> We've seen that happen, by the way. We know it happens. Don't think you're pulling one over on us. We've seen people pull up, check their kids in, and drive away. <laughs> We've seen it happen. So we know there's different reasons. However, at the core, you're here because there's some element of trust, but the real question is the in the room is, is God really going to show up when it hits the fan? Is God really a good God? Can I really lean into him and trust him? Because I've developed the system. I have an understanding. The passage that you have says, do not lean on your own understanding. That's so counterintuitive that it sounds stupid. Don't, don't think, just trust God. What? That makes no sense. Check my brain in? No. But you need to decipher your understanding, the way you look at life, and what God teaches. Because God will teach things that do not match up with the understanding of the world around you, what you've been taught. The people around us do not always think what we think. I tell my kids all that time, I go, guys, you got to realize you're weirdos in this world. Not everyone has a family that believes in God. Not everyone has made a decision to follow Jesus. And not everyone's even serious about it. And you have to come up with your own decision. Are you going to trust in God? Your mom and your dad do. But just because you were born into this family doesn't mean that you're supposed to. You have to figure this out. What are you going to lean into? Is God worthy of you putting the weight of your life into his hands? That's the big question here. And so one of the ways that we've um, worked through that or we've adjusted is we've created a, um, a, a lab a science lab, so to speak, a, a, a lab of faith, and it's called La Casa. And a lot of you guys have heard about La Casa, but you don't really know what the heck it is. And so we want to give you some kind of background on that um, because, well, pictures help a thousand words. So it's, it's a home, and it's for guys. We, I wanted to have it co-ed, and then the, um, the people that were actually smart said, you realize that's a dumb idea, right? 
No, no, these young guys and girls, they're falling. No, it ain't going to work. They're going to be distracted. Like, oh, it can work. No, it's not going to work. So in Lazanha, over the tracks, the team said, okay, they've got to be men because if you mix the men and the women, well, you, you guys know how this works, right? So um, they're guys there, and they're residents, and they stay for a minimum of one year, and they can stay up to uh, three years, and they're there in a lab. It's a missional community, which means it's a community that's on a mission, and we have these words that we use, we, three words. You live there in the community, you're coming to learn, and then you can love. And we'll, we'll break that down a little bit more, but in that environment, they get to learn so much about what it means to trust in the Lord with everything and what it means to not lean on what you've already learned outside, but to almost start over. So um, this is kind of what the house looks like. Uh, we had some of um, our interior designers help us a long time ago get some furniture that actually matched because it's a bunch of guys. They're all single. You could imagine what that house would look like. So that's why it kind of looks nice. And there's kids all in the neighborhood. So they come over, the adults come over. Um, but it looks cuter when you take pictures of the kids. So there's uh, just a normal pancake breakfast. I think Aaron's introducing them to coffee. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, this is one of the neighbors. This isn't our place, is it? Yeah. So just uh, hanging out at the neighbor's house with some of the families. And... Uh, Here's some kids just cruising the street. So this is over in San Juan, and it is the most beautiful community ever. Um, a lot of you are afraid of that community. I know. If you're from here, you're like, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Sure it is. But you wouldn't go there. And yet the guys that live there, every time they come back, they want to go see all their friends and their family because it's so beautiful. And we'll see what they share from it because I don't really know exactly what they're going to share. Um, but they're going to share from their experience, and we're going to have two of the guys come up one at a time, and they're going to share from their experience because they've graduated. Aaron um, just graduated, and Josh just graduated. Uh, Josh is the bearded one moving away to a foreign country, found a foreign wife. He's out of here. And then Aaron is pumping iron, teaching. Uh, I, I said that because I was hassling this morning about how buff he is, but he's actually a teacher. But they've moved on, and we have three new guys. And so they're going to talk about their experience. And the question that they have to answer is, so we'll start with Josh, is what have you learned about the truth of trusting in God versus leaning on your own understanding? So could you please welcome up uh, Josh Geisinger. morning. So as we're talking about trust, as we were thinking about the things that we've learned uh, from La Casa, I started thinking even further back. Uh, I have friends who have been married a few years, so they're making little versions of themselves that run around. And uh, my one friend, Chris, he has a son, Peyton. Peyton's two years old. And the interesting thing about Peyton is that he trusts anything that his dad says. 
So if his dad tells him, Peyton, you can't eat chocolate, and Peyton will say, why? And his dad will say, because you're allergic to chocolate. Now, Peyton's not really allergic to chocolate, but he now believes he is allergic to chocolate. That is his reality. I will never eat chocolate again. And then someday he'll grow up and learn his dad's a liar and whatever. But for Peyton, that is truth. I am allergic to chocolate. Peyton, you can't play video games. Video games are only for adults. Okay. That's life for Peyton. He believes everything his dad says. And he trusts his dad because he knows that his dad is good. He knows that his dad is trustworthy. He knows that his dad cares for him. Everything his dad says, Peyton trusts. And then you fast forward in life, and for me, in my 20s, having experienced college, having grown up a little bit, having traveled a bunch of different places, by the time I reached La Casa, I thought I knew it all, right? I was very arrogant. I was very full of my, my experiences, and I had gone beyond trusting. I had gone beyond thinking that other people had wisdom for me. There's a verse in Proverbs, uh, before this passage actually, Proverbs 1 verse 7, says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is a father writing to his son, saying, you need to fear the Lord. You need to trust the Lord to have a good life. But by the time I hit La Casa, I was, I was arrogant. I trusted myself. And coming into a community like that, where I didn't know the culture, I didn't know the language, I didn't know the people, and thinking, you know what, there's 6,000 people about that live here, Give me two years, we'll wrap up all the problems, we'll be good. That was my mentality coming in. And very quickly, when you trust in yourself, when you rely on your own understanding, as this passage is talking about, you run into reality. You run into real situations that you have no reference for. And everything falls apart really quick. I had gotten to a place where I knew of God, but I was not really needing him anymore. I had my ticket to heaven, right? And I had gotten to this place where I wasn't really asking those questions, and it got me in a lot of trouble. This verse, this passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, talks about this. Again, this is a father talking to his son. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This father's saying, you're stupid. <laughs> Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust God more than you trust yourself. And this is a journey that we go on at La Casa. This is a journey that we all go on in life. And I'm going to have Aaron come up and share a little bit about his personal journey through this as he went from relying on himself, his own understanding, and through his experiences, learning more and more what it means to submit to God and rely on him. <clears throat> so uh, 
I, I came into La Casa with kind of this attitude that Josh spoke a little bit about of, you know, kind of being the, the knight in shining armor who's coming to rescue, you know. Uh, we both did some mission work abroad, and so coming to La Casa, it's like, oh, yeah, we know how to do this. We've done this. Time to apply what we learned. Um, and I was humbled very, very quickly. Uh, and I'm just going to share a few stories to show you guys how I was humbled. Uh, the first one, you know, most people in the community speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I think I speak Spanish. And I would try and say things that would make people think that I spoke Spanish, like, you know, oh, disculpame, sorry, no puedo hablar espanol bien. Like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish well. And most people would be like, oh, it's, you know, your Spanish is good. You know, it's nice. They'd lift me up and encourage me. And so, of course, I would be encouraged and emboldened and go and try and speak more Spanish. And there was one instance where I was attempting to communicate uh, with a, an older man, and I said that same line, you know, disculpame, no puedo hablar espanol bien. He's like, si, tu no puedes, you're not able. And I was like, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> um, and another time, uh, it, was, it was during the holiday season, and uh, there's a big festival called La Posada. It's nine days of parties celebrating Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. And on the last night, there was a party. We were helping, like, host it in our garage, and they do this big parade processional, like, through the alleys, basically, where they're singing hymns in Spanish. And they hand Josh and I this wooden figurine of Mary and Joseph and say, hey, you lead the processional. And so we, we have no idea what we're doing. I, they're all dressed up to the nine, super nice. I'm wearing like a trucker's hat and a jacket. And we're standing up there holding this figurine, leading these people through the neighborhood. And we have no idea what we're doing. No idea what we're doing at all. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, I've gotten used to kind of being in a spot where I'm teaching. You know, I'm coming to offer something. And I realize throughout the process of these experiences, I have nothing to offer. I am helpless. I know nothing. I'm here, you know, to learn first, right? That's our Lacoste motto, to learn, to love. And really, there was, there was one moment that was really kind of groundbreaking for me, and I think kind of began my experience as a resident there. And, um, you know, there's kids playing in the alley, as you guys saw in the picture, and uh, there's this one kid who's just kind of a punk. Um, He's not, he's not pictured there, so don't look for him. Um, and he's always just stealing stuff from kids, making kids cry, being a bully. Just problem, problem creator, not a problem solver, a problem creator. And he's got some mental issues, and, you know, so you can't really um, reason with him like you would another kid. And he was just kind of the kid that I was like, all right, you know what? I don't want to deal with you because you cause problems. Um, and I was walking through the alleys a few days later, and I just kind of ended up in this kind of dead-end corner. It was just like a stinky, dank, like humid corner, a place you didn't want to be, and I wanted to get out of there. And I was just confronted with a, a woman who was destitute, um, incoherent, whether she was drunk or asleep, I don't know, but um, flies were buzzing around her, and she was not well. This was... Um, Something that I would expect to see in, in like a third world nation, like on the streets of India, like a beggar. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there in South Orange County in San Juan Capistrano with all my credit cards, you know, a college degree, and a car. And I'm like, how, as, as a Christian, how do I reconcile this? 
I have nothing to offer you in and of myself. What do I have to offer? And so I actually found out that the punk that I was talking about is that woman's son. And who am I to you know, call that kid a punk and not invest time with him when he's got nothing to go home to every night? I have no idea what he's going through. I'm helpless. I'm going to be here for three years, and then I'm gone. And I realized in that moment that this is a God-sized project at La Casa. This is God's work at La Casa. This is not Aaron's work. This is not La Casa's residence work. This is not something that we can do in and of ourselves. And so that was kind of a moment where I realized I can do nothing. And so knowing that, but then also, you know, seeing the verse that we're talking about today, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, you know, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. It's comforting knowing that he's going to do it, but it's also convicting because when I see those words like trust, lean on, submit, those are all action words. And when I ask myself, do I always trust in the Lord with all my heart? No. Do I always lean on him and not on my own understanding and not trust my own judgments? No. If I did, I wouldn't have made as many mistakes, and I still wouldn't. I'm a, I'm a sinner. Do I submit to him? No? So what do I put my trust in? How can I, you know, let the Lord straighten my path? And I, I came to this point of just kind of freedom, realizing that I can stand before you guys saying that I've failed at that verse. I do fail at it every day. Um, I can stand before a neighbor and say, hey, I fail at that verse every day. I'm, I'm not a saint. It's not about you seeing my, you know, experience, you know, overcoming trials in this neighborhood and having my path straightened. It's about me standing before you knowing that we are equal in the eyes of God. First, equally unable, equally helpless, but because of what Christ did, fulfilling that for us through his perfect life, through his death, through his resurrection, it's not about me. It's about what Jesus did. And he welcomes us into that Trusting in his promises that despite my own helplessness, he's going to make all things work together for his good. Despite my sinful nature, he's still going to use me and he's going to use all of us to his glory, right? Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that was just kind of my journey is realizing it's not about a certain skill set I develop or it's not about, you know, um, being able to, as I'm talking to people in the alleyways, talk, you know, well about the gospel. It's just about being able to look to Jesus and point to Jesus knowing that he's the one doing the work. He created these good works in advance for us to do. And through his promises that he's going to be with us, he's already accomplished the work that he's going to work through us if we show up. And so that was just kind of upon leaving there, realizing, wow, it's not up to me. But it's great to know that we trust in a God who's always faithful, who's always a good father, and who did submit and who did lean on God's understanding for us in our place so that we can live in freedom knowing that he will make our path straight and he will use us and lead us. So that's just kind of 
my journey, and uh, I'm going to give it back to Josh now, and he's going to share his journey. Thanks, Aaron. Um, so as Boog was asking us to share, there's gum up here. As Boog was asking us to share a little bit about our experiences, um, I realized that this verse is, is a promise. It's not an equation uh, because it's part of our relationship with God. This is a promise that as we give more and more of ourselves over to him, he makes us more and more like himself, more and more like Jesus. But as Aaron was saying, we don't have this down. This is not a something where you cross the finish line. I'm only 28. I haven't seen the finish line when it comes to trusting the Lord like this. And like I said earlier, when you encounter reality, you realize that your understanding is not good enough. Uh, we had a situation a few months ago where there was a family in the neighborhood that we know quite well and play in the with their kids and have had good conversations with them. And we were told that uh, the mom is very ill. She's in the hospital. She's dying. And so we got the call, and Zach, Zach and I uh, headed over to the hospital. And the kids were there to say goodbye to their mom. And there was no preparation that I had had <laughs> for a time like this. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? So I called Boog. I said, here's what I'm going into. Here's what we're, we're heading into. She's dying. The kids are there to say goodbye. And he said, you need to go in there and just be quiet. Just listen and ask good questions, but just listen. I was like, okay, I got, got that. All right, great. So we go into the waiting room, Zach and I, and, and we're sitting there, and the, the kids come in, family comes in, and the first thing I do is I just start talking. I just start filling the room with my words because that's my default. That's my understanding is when it's quiet, I need to talk. And I, I'm talking, and I don't know what I'm saying or why I'm saying it, and I realize that they're not really responding the way I, I would hope they would. And Boog's words <laughs> entered into my head, just be quiet. And I realized in that moment that I couldn't say anything that was going to make it better. I couldn't do anything for this mom. I couldn't do anything for her kids. There was nothing I could do, but I could pray. I could comfort. I could encourage by trusting in the Lord, by leaning on him by talking to these kids, not with my words, but with my actions, showing up. And this is what I want to leave you with. As I was talking to Boog about it, we, we talked about how there's three things that you need to do when you encounter a situation where you don't know how to deal with it. And those three things are to show up, to, or sorry, to suit up, to show up, and to shut up. He said I could say the last one. To suit up means that you're trusting the Lord, that you're relying on him, 
that you're not leaning on your own understanding. To show up means that you're being present in the situation. You're with the people that need you. And shutting up means you're submitting to God. You're not just saying things to fill the air. You're, you're waiting for him to give you the words. You're waiting for him to teach you how to listen better. God is with us. And he promises in this verse that as we give ourselves over to him, he will make us more and more like himself. So I want to invite the, the worship team up, and I'm going to pray over us. But I just want to leave you with this. We must trust that God is good by looking at Jesus, by seeing what he's done for us. We need to always let him lead us, and he will clear the road for us to follow. Please pray with me. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, for this time to worship you. God, I pray that you would teach us all what it means to trust in you, to lean on you instead of our own understanding, to submit to you in all things, and to let you clear the road for us. God, we thank you and we praise your name. Amen. There's nothing more beautiful for me as a guy that's um, here at Branches than to see these guys come in so prideful and to leave so healthy because that's the reality. The thing we're talking about here is pride. When we look at Proverbs, because all the guys that get into Casa, they're like, they're amazing guys. They're guys that the rest of the world looks at like, oh, they're going somewhere. And they are. And they built these defenses. Like, I love that song, my one defense is you, Lord. That song we just sang. Sometimes we sing the songs, we don't know what they mean. That's an artist right there. He chose the song. You see how he slipped it in there? And yet, in the beautiful part of this song, um, it's referring just like their lives, to this right here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction, which means they think they know what they're doing. And I love the way this translation says it. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. When we say that pride is the beginning of the fall, it is. And yet, humbling ourselves and realizing, I don't know what I'm doing, opens us up. It sets us free. It opens us up to God's truth. There's a dad that's talking to his son here in Proverbs. It's so important to remember that. It's a dad that loves his child. Solomon, who's, got, who's had it all, temples, money. He's, he's got power, he's got wives, he's, he has it all. Everything the world says that you're supposed to have, he has. And if he could give his kid one thing, what does he say? He said, son, I love you so much that you need to put your trust, you need to put it, your pride down and instead trust in God. That is the beginning of wisdom. 
when you look to him, when you don't look to yourself, man, I love you so much. Would you please do this? Because then I know that your path will be led where God wants you to go, and it is a beautiful road. But if you go on your own, like me, you're going to end up in, a, in the ditch. You're going to be messed up. You may have the stuff the world promises, but you're not going to have what you're really supposed to have. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to Him, not me, to Him, and He will guide you. Father, I ask that you would open up that truth to us. I ask, Father, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Draw us to your word and give us the courage to, to lean not on anything else but on you. Give us the courage to be different from everyone else around us and to take a different path, a path which puts trust in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you could stand with me, because I'm getting you all warmed up, because we need some of you to go back. These people that have been working with the kids, we want to set them free. So we need some of you to go back and help clean up the kids' rooms. The chairs are easy. We need, still need people to do that. But everyone jumps to the chairs. If you jump into the kitchen, oh, that'd be awesome. Helping the kitchen or with the kids first. That'd be fantastic.